recording live with the only Seahawks podcast more excited about Russell Wilson swearing than Russell Wilson playing good at football. It's the Seahawks Nest. I'm John, I'm Nathan Santo, your uh, esteemed producer and uh, lead leader in the clubhouse for something, I'm sure. Uh, Eric, Eric, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, uh, but I got to clarify something. I did not know that Russell cursed. I know that he did not end his interview on NBC Football with Go Hawks, and that was really disturbing. Yeah, he scored his rushing touchdown, and right after he scored it, he said, he uttered the phrase, uh, beep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was oh, heck yes. caught, caught on the broadcast. So I think he said, Go Hawks, yeah. <laughs> that's that's how Russell swears. Kev, uh, I'm joined also he by... He said, Golly, yes. I am joined also by the Yvonne Drago to my uh, Rocky. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I will crush you. Yeah, I thought you might. So uh, <laughs> so let's get let's get right into Thanks. it. The, the, the Seahawks rolled over the uh, Indianapolis Colts forty six to eighteen. Uh, it was a tale of two halves in Seattle as the Seahawks actually were trailing eighteen fifteen at halftime and then put up the old thirty one point half to go ahead with the forty six to eighteen victory. Uh, let's go with let's talk a little uh, let's talk a little Seahawks offense first. Uh, the offensive line, uh, Kevin. What what did you see along the offensive line to uh, that that made you feel good? So I saw Jokul got blown up once on a pass play, and Abushi got two penalties. And outside of that, the interior of the line played excellent. Afedi didn't screw up the entire game, yeah, which Fetty, is an improvement. Afedi is the weak link right now. I'm a hundred percent. Odiambo had a horrible game. Yeah, but I mean. He doesn't exist anymore. Like, I mean, <laughs> not not in a bad way, but like he needs to concentrate on getting healthy for real life. Not there's yes. no more football for him. Yeah, that's a heart contusion, which is very serious. Yeah, that's that's bad. So yeah. Anyway, uh, so so overall, though, I thought that the offensive line played pretty good, and I think a lot of our problems now are just stemming from the fact that uh, Russell's Russell's fifth to last in terms of getting rid of the football in the NFL right now. And the fact that he he's dropping a little too deep, although he did better with that in this game, I thought, than in recent games. Yeah, I didn't notice any horrendous overthrows or anything, too. I, I counted zero really bad throws. No. Russell had a fantastic game. I mean, under no pressure, his passer rating is 119.4. He needs to climb the pocket better. Uh, on, on plays where he climbs the pocket, it's amazing. But he needs to like really focus on that as like a, hey, I need to trust that these tackles are going to seal off the edges of this pocket and give me space to climb. No, you're talking stepping up into the pocket, right? Okay. Exactly. That's now what. That now that our center holds instead of uh, Glowinski falling apart with him, he can trust enough to step up. Right. He needs to climb the pocket. He needs to have faith that the center of this line is going to hold tight, and the tackles will do enough to keep him safe. To give him three seconds. Uh, uh, once he does, once he starts doing that and regains some of that good footwork that we saw earlier in his career, I think that the. The sky's the limit for this offense, to be honest with you. It's the fact that he felt like he had to peel and run in the first th- three seconds every single play was part of why this offense was failing. And, yeah, it didn't lead to, like, super negative plays because Russell's good at turning uh, a negative play into a nothing play, right? Yeah. That's one of his great talents is that he can turn, like, a really play that would normally be really bad into, like, oh, that's a, it's a no-gainer. Or, oh, he had to just throw it away. Now, if he climbs the pocket, he can turn those into really positive plays and give his wide receivers a chance because those guys are open. You watch the tape. Those guys are open. He just needs to find them. And we saw that with a, what was about a 40-yard fling to Lockett. Yeah. Um, and he had that one pass to Peerich over the middle. Uh, Lockett and Peerich had really good games. Uh, Lockett had four catches on five targets for 67 yards. Uh, Paul Richardson caught 
three out of three for sixty five. Those are those are the types of games you want to see from them a lot. Yeah, and so that was really nice. The only receiver who had a really bad game was, uh, it was Jimmy Graham. Definitely did a really did not fight for the ball on a couple of those, especially in the first half. Jimmy Graham looked he looked like Luke Wilson used to look, and that's really bad. Yeah, no. Well, that first interception, uh, Russ underthrew the ball a little bit, yeah. and Jimmy did not fight for it at all. He just gave it up. The second one, the ball hit him in the hands and bounced to the defensive back. Like those, Both of those interceptions, I think, are 50% or more on Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I felt the first interception was was Russ. I mean, I I know that... It was underthrown. I know what you're saying, that it you know Jimmy could have done a better job of fighting for it, but... That ball was significantly underthrown. The second one, I feel, is all on Jimmy. The, I mean, let's be honest. The offensive line, they only gave up six hurries on 38 dropbacks. And so the, the time was there to throw. So the bad throws, you know, it's partially Russell, partially Jimmy. Jimmy's, Jimmy's had only a few great moments as a Seahawk, right? And so we have to look at the fact that they're probably not re-signing him this offseason. I think uh, re-signing Britt and Cam tells us all we need to know about right. Graham. We, we decided before the season started we probably could have two of the three. Um, if Maybe Graham is available at a very low price now because of what has happened in the last couple years, but I doubt it. No, there is I some think we team a nice out, third-round pick for him. There's some team out there that's going to go, hey, Jimmy Graham, yeah, we can, we'll pay him $10 million and turn him into a star again. And they will because the talent is there. It's just this is a bad scheme fit. It's a bad uh, – he has to stay in and block way too much. Which has really hurt his overall productivity. He he never had to block in New Orleans. He was a glorified wide receiver. Yep. So it's it's just a it's totally different what we ask him to do. I do want to bring that up. Uh, Jabal Sheard owned our offensive tackles. Yeah, five rush stops, like an amazing amazing performance along the front and side five of the line. hurries. Just it was it was disgusting. Yeah. He had five of their six pressures. Yeah. And I, uh, but one of the things that started happening that was kind of scheming to get away from that, they started having. Uh, and it's what teams do to Vaughn Miller. They started having Jimmy Graham chip him real quick before he went out for every single route. And I think that is a, actually a smart play. Just giving that extra chip to let our tackles get their footwork together, I think that's something we should see more in the future. Yeah, I, I like it except for it does two things. One, it it, it covered, all it's doing is covering up the flaw of that the fact that we're not our quarterback's not stepping up in the pocket, right? It's just covering up a wart. Like, we can fix this another way and then taking our one of our best offensive weapons and turning him into a glorified decoy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just disagree a little bit on your step-up theory. I think that's it on a lot of it, but there's a number of plays where you see him climb the pocket and the tackle's so beat that the defensive end or the edge rusher can step to the inside of him too. Are you saying, and we saw that more than once. Are you saying, Kevin, when he steps up, you know, you think automatically step up to throw, but Russ needs to step up and then do some more reading of his receivers. Are you saying he doesn't maybe have time to go into that second read, and that's why he's inaccurate? He doesn't well, or even feel. if he steps up to throw, it and it, it's a mental thing too. If he doesn't feel like he has time to get to a second read, then he doesn't have time to get to a second read. It doesn't matter if he actually does have time. Right. It's a it's a confidence thing for me. Like he needs to have faith that these guys are going to do it, even if they're not. And if that means taking a couple bad sacks, like. To, to, to gain that confidence, like we have to do that. It's the steps that this team needs to take if they're going to play against elite defenses, like the one they're going to face this week, although I wouldn't call them elite, very good defenses, and still ha- have a chance to, to do well. Um, anything else you guys saw on the offense? Eric, do you want to talk run game? Yeah, actually, uh, Chris Carson, 
what is what is his diagnosis? His prognosis? I believe season? he has a, a, a fracture a, below his knee, and he had ankle surgery. Is it, that here's the thing? It's a very, 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 very bad spot to have a fracture. Uh, he luckily doesn't have any ligament damage and no bone breaks. So what they need to do is let it completely heal 100% before he gets back on the field. Because if it breaks again in that spot, that's like a borderline career ender like Teddy Bridgewater had. Wow. Yep. So, so that could be like an eight-week thing for Chris Carson? It, it's probably the season. I, it's, okay. it's likely the season, but flip it, a coin. There's a chance that if he, if he progresses really, really well that he could be back. Yeah, he might get him back for a playoff run, but don't expect it. I like Chris Carson as our number one back. Even the announcers on NBC, which... Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, they're solid in the booth. They said, you know, Chris Collinsworth said, hey, this looks like the guy, doesn't it? And, yeah, we all kind of felt like we were waiting to see Chris Carson take over that role. And he took it over, and he looked really good. He's gone now. So, Nathan, before the podcast started, said he really liked Eddie Lacy running in this game. And we're going to get to that disagreement first. Uh, we're going to talk J.D. McKissick. This is a guy who is probably... You mean fast, Eddie Lacy? Yes. Yes. I love that. Just <laughs> That was really funny. I love trolling, trolling our two forms that we speak in together. Like, hey, Eddie Lacy looks really good. And he looks really thin on that carry. Uh, <laughs> he really got look- skinny through the hole there. <laughs> I, was, I was having so much fun amusing myself. Uh, I'll say this, though. J.D. McKissick, I'll just throw the question to the group. Is he a guy who can carry the ball 17 to 20 times a game? No. 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 Exactly. Which is Six times? Which is why, which is why I'm kind of trying to get myself hyped up on Eddie Lacy because someone is going to have to step up and be like a guy who can carry it the other 15 times to Procise's seven to to McKissick's five. Like those, those three guys need to share. And I, I don't think like Lacy's going to come in and be an every down back like he was for Green Bay. But we're not that far removed from Eddie Lacy being a very good running back for Green Bay, a very productive running back, bare minimum, and. Uh, we we kind of need him because I don't I for some reason I don't think the team has faith in Rawls the the team just seems like they, that's where I wanted to go they, like they, they they've totally they're totally off the wagon on, what what on happened Rawls. with Rawls because he was a healthy scratch on Sunday Night Football I think healthy is a questionable statement yeah okay. I'm starting to think that he's actually th- that he's never going to be better or he's not ever going to be a hundred percent like he's like he's lost a significant step in his game yeah yeah that's what it seems like okay. I, there's no there's no other plausible explanation for why. They would they would give him the first burn. Like there's no way they'd give the chance to Eddie Lacy first because Rawls is cheaper, younger, and not that long ago was the like the most productive running back in the NFL. He had such efficient running not two years ago. He was a plant and go running back. Like he could see the lane, he could plant on one foot and spring through. And that tells me that either his body or his mind is not confident in the ability to plant hard and make those decisive cuts because that was his game. He cut so decisively and barreled through so efficiently that he was three to five yards just because he was a wrecking ball moving in one direction. One, he, he didn't really have compact movements with his legs. We talked about him being like a wrecking ball, uh, running recklessly. Yeah, uh, We've said this before on the podcast. Why did we hang on to him? If we're not going to play him. I mean, this can't be something we just figured out a couple weeks ago. Well, he's still coming off of an injury. And he's coming off of an injury after coming off of an injury. Yeah. Like, it's possible he still gets it back. They just might have wanted to give him a little extra rest because Carson was going strong. Maybe after the bye week. And then the same thing is true for for Eddie Lacy, too. Also coming off of an injury. So there's... 
there's like something to the fact that we need one of these guys to step up and carry the ball ten times, like ten to fifteen times a game, and we need him to run hard. And, and Prosize is probably out for another game, yeah. so we're going to be looking at Rawls and Lacey splitting the bulk of the carries next week with Katie uh, McKissick acting as the third down back. I wouldn't be surprised if Rawls barely touched the ball, like maybe two, two to five carries. I in, wouldn't in be shocked game. by that, and I also wouldn't be shocked if he carried it fifteen times. I would be shocked by neither. I think. Uh, what okay? So McKissick is going to be involved he in the went, passing game. You don't what go you, from like three straight games healthy scratch to just like bell cow back. That doesn't. That except doesn't, he got except he got carries and Lacey was a scratch two weeks ago. So yeah, that's a very good point, Kevin. Plus, I don't know. I see that we could maybe have eight to twelve carries from McKissick. That would not surprise me. Uh, I, I and know. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying that's something Bevel. I could see him. Doing. I could see eight to twelve touches. Yes. I do not see eight to twelve. I carries. agree with that. Like I could see them using him to get the ball in his hands a bunch of times. But the the Are you talking thing, like dump passes or, or I'm talking about passes? like put it put him on the outside, have him run a slant. Dump like they passes, wheel routes, slants, like they did in everything. the last game. I I see fifteen. 15 touches, I think he could get 8 to 10 to 12 carries. If if he gets 8 to 10 carries, either we're up by a lot or I'm really unhappy. Someone got hurt or something. Because or like, he just or, doesn't have the body. I know he doesn't have the body. That. It's the same thing with ProSize. But this is ProSize does, though. ProSize is over 6 feet tall. He's like a 215, 220 pound back. McKissick is like 5'10", 185. ProSize's soft tissues are made of tissue paper. Like That's why he can't play in any of these That's a separate problem, yeah. Like He he has graham cracker crumbs for for bones. Like That's why why (laughs) ProSize can't stay on the field. Like I'm not joking. Like he's I got running back it. size, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he at least looks like he should be able to carry the ball ten right. times. Except for when you shake his hand, he now can't hold the ball anymore because his crumples because his bones are salty and he, crackers. He falls diagonally. Uh, I'll say I'll say McKissick. I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna tell. I'm this. glad you're hyped on McKissick because he, he has. I'm not, had I'm raw not saying talent. I'm super hyped. I just want to be clear. I feel like Bevel is going to try and work him into the offense more than just on. On the wing, on the edge. I feel like they will try and work him in, if if anything, to throw the defense off. This that, is crazy to me because I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to end up coming in this looking really high on McKissick. Because I'm going to be like, he's going to get like five carries and like four or five catches. And then Eric's like, he's going to become the bell cow back. And it's like, what? I'm what? saying this is you're, you're totally I'm not saying 18. Order. Way to be a one-upper, Eric. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, let's say, eight carries. Five pass targets. I think that is. Completely I think if you reasonable. turn those numbers yeah, around, say, it's much more like switch it. The best case scenario for McKissick is that he gets used the way Cleveland used Duke, uses Duke Johnson Jr. as a goal line back. Screw Cleveland. <laughs> Thanks, Cleveland. Uh, all right, um, from your favorite fantasy owner of Duke Johnson, Nathan Santo. All right, so the uh, yeah, I, I really I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out. It's it's one of the more interesting aspects of the of the team going into next week. One more thing about Eddie Lacy. He did run hard in this game like he knew he needed to have a good game. Does that make sense? When when he you was ask aware, me about running backs, he was is, aware that he was like one bad performance away from from looking for a new job. This is what I said this debate. That's you think that Eddie Lacy, he didn't look great, but that he 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 ran, he ran like a man who cared. He, he ran, ran hard against a tired defense. Yeah, yeah. so Kevin. That's what you got to do, though, right? You like, think it's just bad defense. Is that? I think that he looked a little bit better. You know, I went back and I watched through the whole game. He had fewer He had fewer instances where he was tackled in the hole for no gain. 
But I also didn't it, see people getting to him as much. I was really dissatisfied with one specific thing that I think Kevin probably also saw. He that falls t- sideways all the time. No, that when he got arm tackled by that safety. I was oh my like, goodness! I was that like, was I was like come on, dude, you gotta you gotta get out there on that one. Like that was a good run too. Like he hits the hole super hard, and he's like, oh man, he's gonna he might score a touchdown here. Stumble, stumble, and then, fall. And then he's like gets arm tackled by a safety. And I'm just like, come on, dude. This is why you're. This is why you're not. Uh, that's why you're bouncing around the NFL right now and not a <laughs> number one running back. Yes. Anyway. um... I like him still, though. I think he, he's fine. He's what we need he's right now. He's a functional back. I would rather have Chris Carson. Don't get me wrong. Chris Carson is a battering ram. He I'd rather have Rawls if Rawls is ready to play. I just I don't have faith that that's ever going to be at the case this season. I mean, I, I'm, res- I respect that. Opinion. I kind of just am over Rawls. Like I'm trying to just put it out of my head. Just like, trying you know, to get like, over. It's like when you know a bad relationship. Like when you know you're he's not, Sarah Marshall. It's like when you know you're not getting something for Christmas, <laughs> right? You're like you're like I'm not getting that for Christmas, so I'm not even going to think about it. Yeah. Right? And what happened? What happened last time you thought that for a holiday? Oh, that's right. That's right. We combine with your wife to make sure you got it. So I, what now? I think I was... What now? I, I had some subtle manipulation there. All right. So uh, that was a reverse psychology at its finest. I'm going to engage in some of that here in a second. So uh, the defense. The defense. Uh, Bobby Wagner is continuing to put a, put in his best performance God, of Bobby his career. Bobby Wagner is so good. Uh, Bobby Wagner rushed the passer five times and got four pressures. Uh, Bobby, Bobby Wagner uh, had four, four defensive run stops. Uh, Bobby Wagner... Uh, had, a touch, had a touchdown, score touchdown, and yeah. he looked. What? Yo, Bobby Wagner looked like our second best running back. Bobby Wagner, he did, Kevin. Yeah, that was he had to go through traffic to get there too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, and guess what? He didn't get arm tackled, and he wasn't wing. He didn't fall to the side either. This defensive line, this is the defensive line that we thought we had at the beginning of the season. This is what we expected them to look like. Now it was against a thoroughly mediocre Colts Colts offensive line. I will admit, but this is kind of what we expected from a offensive line performance. I counted 13 times they hit the quarterback. Yeah, he was on his back a lot. Brissett was under under siege. Yeah. Uh, Sheldon Richardson was getting pressure from the inside, too, which is, like, so good. And he was also really good against the run. I yeah. was really impressed by Sheldon Richardson in this game. Uh, I thought Naz Jones played well, even though he got hurt a little bit. Uh, I thought Twice, man. Cliff Averill got banged up, and Marcus Smith came in and looked every bit the athlete that we hoped he would be. Marcus Smith looked like a legitimate rotation player. I love Cliff Averill. I'm not knocking Cliff Averill. But when he went out, I was not worried. I knew that our depth would be there, and Marcus Smith did not disappoint. It is going to suck to lose Cliff. Like, Marcus Smith is... There's pedigree there, right? He's obviously talented. Uh, But... But... I'm... Cliff is... Cliff is Cliff. There's no one who can throw as many different awesome defensive line moves at at tackles to try to get to the quarterback as Cliff Averill. And so I'm a little scared to spend significant amounts of time without him. It's right? a stinger. I think we lose him to the bye at the worst. Yeah, right, right now, it looks like he's going to... That's what I was going to say. It looks like he's going to be out to the bye, which is... It's not the worst, but it's good. It's not ideal. Can I just say, though, it seems like we can't go a week without Frank Clark doing something where I just want to stop and rewind and play it until the tape breaks. Like he's really good. He just he he wrecks souls and destroys worlds. He is the nightmare that haunts quarterbacks' dreams. He looks like Bruce Irvin earlier. You know Bruce Irvin. It took a while for him to get just with Bruce Irvin power yeah. though. Yeah, I mean Frank Clark. The combination of athleticism and power, power. that running play, Not strength, power. where he uh, someone goes to chip him, he hurdles the guy and then just drags <laughs> Frank Gore so down. That was so great. I, oh man, he is just a pleasure to watch on the football. Well, field. I like Frank Clark because as he's and he's a real better, and he's a real hit off the football field. Too. That's right. 
<laughs> Real world beater. As uh-huh. he gets better and more mature in his playing, he seeks out the ball as opposed to the player who had the ball. That's yeah. one thing that when you think about defensive players, how do they improve? They sniff the ball out better. If the ball changes hands, the ball is going away from them, they back up quickly, they cut over, and they seek the ball. And Frank Clark's doing that. In some cases, going over people. Right, well, yeah. let's, let's talk secondary. Another great game from the safeties. I'm, I don't need to, We don't need to talk about them anymore. They're both so good. Uh, but uh, Justin Coleman, you know, he might be a player that can fill in admirably. He's better than Lane has been all season. Let's just start with that, <laughs> uh, without a doubt. Um, there, there's good plays and there's bad plays when you watch him on film. Coleman there's, got picked on in the Green Bay game, and he made up for it here. There's plays where you see him on film, and he's really having a tough time. And there's plays where you see him on film, and he looks really good. In this game, it was more, much more good than bad. Although there were plays where they definitely decided they were going to go after Justin Coleman in this game. Yep. So he's going to be he's going to be someone that is under attack because he's not Richard Sherman. <laughs> And that's that's the that's the price you pay for being not Richard Sherman and being on this defense. I thought Shaq Griffin looked pretty good. Uh, he matched up well against Dante Moncrief because he's more athletic than he was. And when they had him against Ty Hilton, Ty Hilton couldn't get loose against him, which was good. I was more impressed with him against T.Y. Hilton as opposed to him against Dante Moncrief. That that poster catch, the the touchdown against Shaq, was yeah. the Dante Moncrief got. I felt like Shaq was out of position on that and. We talked about this in the preseason. I felt like the defense was good, and just if he was a little more aware, he'd have been able a to get a little more. Right that's spot. what I'm saying. It's a rookie. That, it's a rookie mistake, though. It's the kind of yeah, thing that it's the that kind of thing we saw Richard if he would have just do a few years back. In yeah, his but if he would have if he would have turned around quicker, I don't know. It was spotted not, the ball, got his arm in the yeah. right spot. Yeah, that's a play. I think next year he makes, and this year he learns from. That's fair. You're right. That's fair. I'm just saying that I, I was impressed against the T. Y. Hilton, not impressed against Mark. And Coleman's pick six. Can I just say Jacoby Brissett? Might as well have attached a string to the wide receiver from the top of his helmet because he stared him down like he was going to beat him up after school. (laughs) Like, he was staring the whole way. He telegraphed that throw so hard. And Coleman was just like, all right, this is what we're going to do. All right. And absolutely took advantage of it, and it was great. He broke on the ball beautifully. He baited him well. But, man... Brissett stared down the receiver hard. The Seahawks put a lot of faith in those three cornerback sets because Griffin played 92% of snaps and Coleman played 67% of snaps. The third the third linebacker only appeared in, in 46% of the snaps in if the game. If you saw the way they covered the tight ends, you wouldn't be surprised. So they, Jesus. they did. And, and I mean, speaking of covering tight ends, Bobby Wagner was amazing in coverage in this game yes. too. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, all the catches on tight ends basically came against Garvin and Will Hoyt, which is... Uh, the, I'm, I'm uh, done with Michael Will Hoyt. Michael Will Hoyt is a is a special teams player. We should be in a two we should be in a two linebacker set always. Yeah. If we need someone to play the run, bring in McDougal to play safety. Bring Cam or into bring the in box. Delano Hill. They are not bring Delano doing Hill that, in, guys. Yeah. Bring, I I appreciate our exuberance for this, but that they're third not linebacker doing it. is not doing it. And the the Brandon Williams catch was on a Cam Chancellor blitz. And we didn't blitz Cam the rest of the game because you're like, oh, can't do that again. We give up 35-yard passes to back up tight ends when we do that. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. Well, the Seahawks should have beat up on the Colts, and they did. Uh, I mean, other than the 15-10 halftime score. Like, oh, by the way, by the way, I just want to say, that safety was on Odiombo. That was hey, bad. Hey, don't speak ill of the dead, Kevin. All right, you so. know, I'm speaking ill of the dead's game tape, and they can deal with that. Like, I, I wish him the best of luck. I love Boise State players. That was on him. He flat out missed. He was supposed to transition the block off of Jokel. He did not 
give the end to Jokel and let a blitzing safety come around the side and just ream our quarterback from the backside. I agree with unacceptable. you. Unacceptable. I agree with you, but come on, Russ. you got to get rid of that quicker. You you can't just – you have to know where you are. Yeah, Russ Ru- needed better presence Russ on that ran play. the ball well. Uh, yeah, efficiently. I, yeah. Uh, like Carson and Lacey combined 23 carries for 94 yards. They were about equal in terms of yards per carry. Actually, Lacey's a little better. So, I mean, overall – uh, they found creative ways to get the ball in Lockett's hands, giving yep. him a couple rushes. Yep. Um, I, I liked, I just thought overall the game plan looked good. Yeah, the, um, the short passing game made a triumphant return, and we ta- we've talked about that in the past. We need to get the short passing game going, get the ball out of Russ's hands in about two seconds, let receivers make plays. We have a lot of we have some slippery receivers with some shake. They can pick up five to eight yards. Well, that Kevin that opened up our our big plays downfield. And yeah, you could open up our run game. I, and I felt like you could tell Doug wasn't fully healthy. Yeah. He didn't have a great game, and he wasn't open as much as I would have thought. But they also were doing things to try to make sure he didn't get off, which made the rest of the offense better in turn. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, – let's move. do you want to talk about third phase of the game? I don't. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, Blair Walsh sucks. I, I, Next. Right. Blair Walsh is the most league average kicker I feel like I've ever seen in my entire life, and I don't. That's not a compliment. <laughs> that's like a. That's like a. Hey, yep, he's the guy. And Let me put it this way: There's probably no one better that we could pick up now. So I guess we just are stuck. Well, with I would know. rather rely on him winning a playoff game for us if he's kicking for the other team than if he's kicking for ours. <laughs> I mean, both be, of you are teachers. How can you? Uh, I'll be knock honest, a twelve year old kid like that. Harrison Butker, we should have picked Easily. him up when we had our chance. Like that, he looks way better than than Blair Walsh, and I feel like we we missed the boat on that one. Or Jake Elliott, or 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 or. Okay. Isn't Graham Gano? Let's Graham talk. Let's talk no, Los Graham Angeles. Let's Panthers. talk Los Angeles Rams, a team that everyone knew would have a decent defensive line coming into the season, but they weren't sure about what else. They put my one good offensive lineman theory to a stiff test, bringing in Andrew Whitworth, and now their offensive line. Seems very good. Um, not just not just pretty good, but very good. Uh, Andrew Whitworth is uh, is of course the former uh, Cincinnati Bengal, and he looks pretty awesome in uh, Los Angeles. Their offense has turned it around on the back. Goff, I feel like Goff's just been okay, but he gets covered up because Gurley's good. The offensive line's good. They have a couple worthwhile skill position players now that they don't have to rely on. Um, just throwing bubble screens to to their only good skill position player, like that. Who's not really that good? Yeah, he's 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 not he's not good that good. He's he's electric, but if you're trying to put the ball, I, how do I put this? Tavon Austin is a gadget player. Yeah, he's like. And if you have a good offense, like if you have like a vanilla good offense, and you're using him to spice it, like, uh, like Percy Harvin, Harvin early career on the exactly. Vikings. That's the thing though with with. Tavon Austin, Harvey you've was got better, though. Here's the thing: you've got a guy who is effective, who is working off a good run and a good pass game. They're not excelling at everything, but they're opening things up, creating plays for Tavon Austin. Like you cannot get him involved until everyone is involved. All right, let's talk about let's talk about Jared Goff because I feel like he's the kind of the key here. Jared Goff is really good when he's not getting pressured, but he was pressured um, he was pressured eleven times. And he was three of eleven for sixteen yards when pressured against Dallas. Our defensive line will win us, win or lose us the game in this game. That that's that's it. Flat so up, straight up. Like our defensive line will win us the game by creating turnovers and forcing Goff into bad mistakes, or they will lose us the game. So let's talk the competition real quick. So he's only been sacked four times. He's completing sixty. He's been completing two thirds of his passes. Uh, a pretty respectable nine point two yards per attempt, yeah. which. I thought that number was going to be a lot lower 
So I'm I'm pretty I'm I'm actually a little impressed with seventy five point four PFF rating, which means he's bang average. Uh, seventy five is average, which is miles above where we thought he was going to be. Right, I would have thought I would have put him dead last. Um, his QBR is sixty point four, which ranks tenth. He has a very good DVOA on Football Outsiders. Jared Goff, he's first uh, in DVOA, yep. which means that his plays are creating a lot of the things. He's, he's very efficient. He's not a running threat. The he thing has is, six carries for one yard. He's he's bad at a couple things on on um, Football Outsiders that gives me pause. Right. He has a terrible Alex, which is expected line. Uh, how far he throws compared to his, the line to gain. Yep. He's like one of the worst in the league. He's throwing short, so he's not really testing much deep. Um, he he has like a really unsustainable like drop pass, uh, dropped interceptions thing going, where he's going to throw some interceptions at some point. It's he's going to go on like a st- hot streak of interceptions, and there's just nothing that he can do about it because he he. He's throwing himself into bad situations and just getting away with it. A little Carson Wentz in him. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's like um it's like in a uh, Breaking Bad. You know, he can't keep getting away with. It. <laughs> so uh, let me go ahead and tell you the defenses he played against. You tell me what you think of their pass rush. He played against the Colts. Um, they have one good pass rusher, and the rest of it is garbage. Uh, he played against the Washington Football Team. I actually think Washington Football Team has a decent defense, but they came together after they played the Rams. So for I the agree purposes that. of that game, mediocre pass rush. Right, and they, they 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 continued to improve week to week, and I think they're actually pretty good defense now. They bottled up the, the Chiefs last week. 49ers post-injury. Yeah, 49ers not good. There you go. Cowboys. Yeah, one good pass rusher, one good pass rusher. It's a, it's a bunch of teams that had nothing compared to us. So that's what I'm saying. So he has played well in these situations where he has not faced uh, pressure. This could very easily be his regression to the mean game. I mean, let's be honest. He got 11 pressure. He got pressured 11 times against Dallas. It's not like they, it's not like they had trouble getting to him. Like they had trouble finishing the job. They didn't get any sacks, which that could be us. They, but they all were, they were in his face like the whole game. I also think that our defensive backs are more, prepared to take advantage of the throws you get on that absolutely on that front kevin you said regression to the mean i want to i want to point out that i'm i'm kind of impressed i mean the rams had a a jeff fisher problem last year they did and the big smelly one they tried to keep uh they tried to keep him on the bench you know resting him who was their quarterback to start the year the rams last year case Keenum. Case Keenum of the Rams. Of the Vikings. I feel like Jared Goff is showing us what he can do in his first full season uh, away from Jeff Fisher. I'm not saying he's good. I am concerned for us in this game. But like you said, regression to the mean because I feel like he has been way better than I expected him to be. We almost called him like last year's Carson Wentz. And he's looking he's looking kind of like this year's Carson Wentz. Well, it's like that year that Andy Dalton was doing really well. We're like, man, he's going to turn into Andy Dalton any day now. <laughs> I mean, let's let's and be. They got hurt instead. Let's be real about the Rams. They beat up on the Colts, okay? Which we have just played, and we know they're not very good, okay? They won. They won at Forty ers in a forty-one to thirty-nine game. They gave up thirty-nine points to that. That was horrible. Forty ers offense. Remember, this was a missed field goal, and then the Niners missed the two point conversion. And then the Cowboys they escaped thirty-five thirty. Like that was it was a close football game, mm-hmm. and uh, they lost to Washington, right? And they did. They they did lose to Washington, who I think like who's a very that game eight, was, eight nine and seventeen. That game was where Washington started to come together a little bit. I think Washington might be a little better than that. They have a really hard schedule. Um, they do. Is part of the problem. But Washington went into L.A. and beat them. There is no home field advantage here. 
this stadium is huge. It's flat, and Los Angeles doesn't care. They don't care. Los Angeles, if you look at the the local ratings for their football games, they're horrible. The national games get better ratings in L.A. than the, the local ones do. Well, so so they have who's, two teams. Their, who's their primarily targeted uh, receiver, by the way? Who has the most targets on the Rams? Is it Cooper Cup? No. Right. Uh, without looking. If I had to guess, Todd Gurley? It is Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley has 25 targets. Todd Gurley ran a very wow. good he ran a very good route in the last game when that touchdown catch. Yep. Like he he has real receiver talent. If he was like, you know, 5 foot 11, I would see him as like the best third down back in the league, but he's not, so he can play on every down. Yeah. He is the he is the true bell cow back, one of the few in the NFL. And Seattle is the number 5 team defending running backs in the pass game. Because Bobby Wagner is that a ruins people's days. Is that a football outsider's efficiency? It's a football outsider's efficiency number. All right, good. And uh, I'm very much believing in that, you know. And it's not like Seattle's played teams that don't throw to their running back so far. Yeah. So that's a legit number. Seattle's been good this year in coverage, according to this, except for against number one and number two wide receivers, of which uh, the clip the Rams don't have very many good ones. Yeah. Uh, the Rams, their number one receiver, Sammy Watkins, who I don't have a ton of faith in just from like a can he stay healthy standpoint. He's an athleticism piece. And their number two wide receiver is what? Cooper Cup, Tavon Austin? Like it's, it's a hodgepodge. It's probably of, Robert Woods. It's a hodgepodge really? of medium guys. Yeah. yeah Cup, so? Cup is their second best receiver. Woods is their number two as far as outside receiver. I'm not a huge Cooper Cup fan. I think uh, Cooper Cup is a, an efficient player. If Cooper Cup was on the Patriots, I'd be super into him, but he's on the wrong team. Like that, that's how I feel about Cooper well, he's, Cup. Uh, 14 catches on 21 targets. He's averaging about 50 yards a game. Right. He's playing a very Cooper Cup game. I'm fine with it. Yeah, but if he was on the Patriots, dude, he could get like 10 receptions a game. Like sure. He'd be so good in that Tom Brady. But that's all I want to bring up about this team. Uh, you know, their number one receiver is Gurley, and he's getting a little under 60 yards a game. Uh, Watkins is the only receiver averaging over 50 yards a game. He's also the only one that's both athletic and capable of catching the ball. Sorry, Davon Austin. <laughs> you know, they have – this is a very throw it shallow and have their receiver beat you type team. Is that a type of team that we think that the Seahawks can't beat anymore? Or is that still the type of team we want to play every game? Are you saying we're good quarterbacks? Someone like Tom Brady likes to spread the ball around, but where Jared Goff is – basically just spreading it where he can and who's shortest to the line of scrimmage. Well, he's spreading it around a lot, but he's spreading it within about 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. Okay. Unlike, for instance, Aaron Rodgers, who can then you know take you up top to Jordy Nelson and take the top off the defense. I don't, I don't know that Goff can do that. Goff has not proven that he can go deep and throw the ball with accuracy into a window. I'm. Uh... Do you feel like we have to respect that, Nathan? No. Not, not with Earl Thomas back there. I I don't think we have to. Uh, I'm just not a huge fan of the, the the way the Rams' offense matches up with our defense is, is really poor to me. Uh, we have a, a nightmare of a defensive line to try to stop. We have very good uh, coverage guys at safety and corner. Like, I just I really feel that this is a, a, a just a nightmare matchup for them. Our defenses have performed basically evenly to this point, but I, but I think ours is heating up. And I think yep. ours has performed better against better competition. Sure. I mean, I feel like we've played one I of the... I feel like that's fair, Kevin. I feel like we've played a, one of the weakest schedules in the entire league. Our two wins are over teams that are very bad, Indianapolis and San Francisco. Like, I I don't want to sell so short, but I, and I think Tennessee's a... They're a paper tag. I, I think Tennessee a, has, a sol, has a solid offense. Tennessee feels like a very middle-of-the-road And I think the Packers right have a very good offense. Packers, Packers, I'm with you on that. And also, I think that we've... The, the San Francisco game was in the rain, and we played to our competition at times... 
I'm I'm siding with Kevin a little more on this. I don't we know. We played like crap in that game. There's no two ways about it. Was it. Awful. But our defense it was well. really awful. Yeah, our defense is not our really defense let us was down. incredible in that game. There's a reason that that's part of the reason San Francisco has such a terrible offensive DVOA is because how much we lit them up in that game. Um, what a, and then yeah, okay. So then their their defense versus our offense. Uh, their defensive line is very good. It's very um, talented. It's not production wise very uh, good this year so far. Yeah, but Aaron Donald is still Aaron Donald. Uh, he had nine nine pressures in the last game. Uh, he didn't have any. They don't. They're not getting a ton of sacks for some reason. Like Brockers had one sack in the last game. I don't think Aaron Donald had any. No. Nope. Uh, uh, so far on the season, they have twelve sacks, which is like third or fourth in the NFL. Uh, Connor Bar- Barwin has two. Um, some dude named Long Anchor and some dude named Fox. Each have two and one and a half. Their rotation defensive ends out of like Leftern, Louisiana Tech of Lafayette. Right. But these guys, and then uh, you're a draft specialist. You knew who these guys are. Come and on. then Robert Quinn has a sack and a half. Yeah. These guys are talented though, and they're, there's no way they're not going to get sacks eventually. Uh, the, the They'll probably get three this game. The offensive line needs to do its best to to slow them down. And this defensive line, they're over aggressive. That you can beat them in the run game. They're one of the worst uh, run defenses in the, in the league. Yep. And uh, I would love to see us try to punish them using the read option. That's that's my uh, that's my dream in this game. Is and that... JD McKissick in the screen game. Yeah. JD McKissick and Tyler Lockett in the screen game have a shot at absolutely ruining. Yeah. Their McGiss- day. McKissick McKissick on a bubble screen would be nice. I would love that play call. Um, with, and you uh, know that, and you know that our offensive coordinator loves a good bubble screen. With Paul, with Paul Richardson <laughs> blocking, like I, I like that. Paul Richardson's really good blocking down. Yes, he is for I, a little guy. He is he, very impressive. He's slight, but he like really goes for it and he makes, angles well and makes it matter. Like he really does a good job. I'm, I'm and really Luke happy. Wilson's only blocking a defensive back. He's all right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's let's head on down to Pickstown. Uh, their kicker's better than ours. Greg's yeah, Irline's if it comes awesome. down to a kicking game, we're screwed. Yeah, Greg's airline's awesome. Uh, I do want to say one other thing. Um, the there's a couple of places I think that we can take advantage of them. Uh, one of them that you just mentioned. The other one is they are the uh, 30th ranked team against the deep pass. And if you look at their safeties, they don't cover a lot of ground that well. I think that if we can. Use the screen game and use the power run game. We are excellent at running up the middle in the guard center gap. That is where they are the worst. If you want to neutralize Aaron Donald, have Justin Britt just push him straight back, and it's a good way to take him out of a play. If we can use those two things to keep the defense on their heels a little bit, they are vulnerable to the deep pass yep. if Russ gets a little they're, time. What are they playing? They're are they... 30th in the league in defending the deep pass. Uh with an efficiency deep pass efficiency on defense and like we have deep Russell wasn't gonna throw a good deep ball even though he has to wind up for it because I think his shoulders hurt I'm still sticking to my conspiracy theory but He's Lockett getting, Baldwin and Richardson are all deep are they threats. playing cover two are they playing cover one what are they doing like they why are they, of, I thought they played a lot of man but that uh, that might be they my play Jeff a lot Fisher. of man on the outside and then Brain. that's why I'm asking cover one are they keeping a, a their safeties you know up top but they come well, it's in a, it's a Wade Phillips defense now which means that they're going to be playing uh, man on the outside and cover, cover two. two. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we both know that. All right. All right. We all know that. All right. Here Son we go. Mom. Here we go. Let's get to picks. Here we go. <laughs> Kevin, who do you like in this one? I'm taking the Seahawks. Uh, I think it's going to require a late touchdown, and it's going to be a Pepto Bismol game. Uh, I'm going Seahawks 27-23. Oh no, it's really close to my score. All right. I really think the Seahawks. That last week was like the 
the getting getting the ball rolling kind of thing. I'm gonna go 31-20 Seahawks. My friends, I really like seeing you, but also talking Seahawks football with you because I'm filled with hope for this game. However, uh, we do a quick shot podcast, and I picked the Rams in that, and I'm gonna stick to my my pontification that the Rams will win strictly because I not only want to I want to stay true to that podcast and, and not give you two different answers, but also I want to see more from the Seahawks and I kind of want to put the reverse jinx on them. I have the Rams winning 24 to 21. All right. So, sorry. sorry. Uh, we're going to get, we're going to head in the money zone, but first we have to tell you some exciting news. We have been nominated for the best, the best podcast in Western Washington. And you better believe we will open every episode with award-winning oh, yeah. Seahawks it's, Death Podcast. We're going to do... We're, we're the next ever. We're going to do award-nominated. <laughs> uh, we're going to be like Pabst. Okay. <laughs> we're going to wear that award for the next 150 years. Now, you guys, I'm going to tell you guys something. I have some insider information about this. You guys ready for this? I have yes. insider info. Y'all ready I know this? the guy who won Best Reporter in Western Washington last year. And... I know exactly how many votes he got when he won. No, wait. This is Richard Lee from Public Access, right? We only need like a couple hundred votes to win this thing. 500 people apparently listen to this a week. I don't know why, but they do. If all 500 of you head over to King Five's website, we linked it on our Facebook and on our Twitter, and we'll do so again soon. If you guys go head over to those websites and vote for us, if we get 200 votes, we will be the best podcast in Western Washington. They will put us on King 5 News like they did with Hawk Blogger last week, and you guys will get to know how much more attractive I am than Hawk Blogger. It's not even close. Okay. <laughs> that guy is uh, is ugly compared to me. Okay, So if you want to see my beautiful face and not wow. stupid, ugly Hawk Blogger, I'm just kidding. I'm just... I'm, I'm most, Actually, I'm not kidding at all. That's 100% true. You totally went... You went rogue. I went Ric Flair on him. You know, yeah, now, now we absolutely gonna, did. Now we're going to get banned on Twitter by Hawk Blogger, too. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Okay. I sorry, I had to go I had to turn heel a little bit because I think it's more fun. Okay? And also, field goals didn't even get nominated. Our feud continues. We are the champions. That's right. Because if you didn't come to listen to this podcast and you had the wrong web address. Alright, so vote for Seahawks Baby. Best Podcast, best podcast in Western Washington. I want that certificate. I will put it on my wall in this office. You <laughs> better right. believe it. That will be the new picture on our Twitter account. Just me R.I.P. Ho- Brett. Just me holding Forever. that uh uh up. All right, so that is uh, that. Is that. Uh, the other ways you can support our podcast, you can head to patreon.com slash Seahawksnest and just give us money. You uh, you also get something in return, our weekly picks podcast, this week recorded on a tin can with string. Uh, the, the, We're going the, gimmicky. That's only kind of a joke. Uh, all right, so then uh, <laughs> then we've got uh, – also you can he- head over to facebook.com slash Seahawksnest and give us a like. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Seahawksnest. And that was facebook.com slash the Seahawksnest, by the tweet way. Tweet us, won't you? Uh, tweet you us. can tweet us. You can message won't us. Uh, we message back. People who message us know that. And uh, weird, we weird listener city of the week. You guys ready? Let's do it. Okay. So this our, is my favorite segment. So last week, last week, segment. we headed to Russia. for. We had a listener from Russia. They did not message me and tell me about where they where in Russia they were from. So I have, I have no idea. They didn't where. talk to you about borscht? That's because it was the KGB monitoring us. Hmm, good call. I like that. All right, so then this week, our weird listener, weirdest listen, Quezon City, Philippines. So if you're from Quezon City, Philippines, and for some reason you downloaded all 50 of the last 50 episodes of the Seahawks Nest and you want to say what's up to us, feel free to say what's up to us. Uh, it was it was actually uh, 
in our top one of our top cities of the week. We're, Unless you're involved in the drug trade, we won't get into any of that shit over you there. Can, you can that say it too in your, You can say it in English. You can say it in Tagalog. It doesn't matter. Reach out to us. So how do you say that? That's true. Yes. Tagalog. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I have no idea. All right. So uh, also, someone found us through a website that I've never heard of. It was like a podcast feeder website that is like not in English. It's in the Spanish. So like, I was like. Yeah, I was like, all right, dude, iVooks, that's my jam now. All right, so, and he, <laughs> Vooks any, it real good. Anyway, uh, let's go bum, ahead bum, bum. and uh, head over to our uh, our movie discussion for the week. Uh, today, um, we're going to talk about a movie that has a close tie to a movie coming out this week. So this week, uh, Blade Runner 2049 is coming out. And I thought, oh, well, we could talk about the old Blade Runner, but I thought that's a bad idea. Because I don't think Ridley Scott is going to have a very large influence over what this movie ends up like. Instead, I think director Denis Villeneuve is going to have a huge influence over what this movie is going to end up like. So why not discuss one of his movies? I thought we'd head over to class, uh, mi- classic drug war mystery, Sicario. Ooh, All right. Yes. So I know Eric likes this movie. I know Kevin likes this movie. I rewatched this movie yesterday, and I enjoyed it just as much the second time as I did the first time. Even though very enjoyable movie. This movie leaves you in the dark for oh, as much of the movie as possible. Is it, wait, are you in the dark, or are you just you're in the dark, but you can you see you know what you can see the outlines. You know what's happening. You're like aware, but it's you're like you still are. You're not. You're no. You don't get the full information, right? You never get the full information. This movie does a great job of picking the point of view character because you only get the information that she has. There's and one time where they where they go they break from that at correct. the very end of the movie at the very end and it's to tie out the plot exactly and it's it's really cool because you feel like like there's parts where she, where uh, she has an emotional reaction to something that happens and you end up having the same emotional reaction you're sitting there like what what you let that happen what is wrong with you people or something along those lines like something will happen also. The beginning of this movie sets the emotional pace. Yeah. In the first, like, ten minutes of this movie, they're basically like, we're going to gut you. And then you're like, okay, apparently this movie's just going to gut you all, all the time. This yeah. movie and is, it does. If I had to describe this wor- movie in one word, it would be tense. This movie is tense. Like I the- feel like this movie gives you breathers, though. Sicario has a way of, like, the beginning. It's tense, but it's not tense in the sense that, like, you know, there's there's a lot of bloodshed... Just, Early, they just, just they do it very slowly until it's a slow build, and then they yank the carpet out from underneath. There them. just feels like there's danger around every corner in yes. this movie. There's just something hanging over your head, right? Like it feels like something bad is going to happen all think, the time. When I think you're we need to do this in two parts. Do you want to go ahead and should we do like uh, the next like two minutes? We're gonna do spoilers are involved, and I th- then we'll go back. to I think at free. this point. I'm going to say, if you have not seen Sicario, I don't want to say much more about it. There's too much stuff here that just is spoiler territory, and I'm just going to throw it out. So if you uh, have not seen Sicario and you want to watch it, it's available on Amazon Prime Video. I highly recommend it. It is and a we'll free watch Come back, Come Prime. back and listen to the rest of this podcast after you watch it, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. For everyone else who's still with us. Okay, so the opening scene when they find the bodies and then like, like Kevin Kevin, where do they find the bodies? They find the bodies in the walls. Right. So Emily Blunt is yeah. the main character in the movie. She almost gets shot by a shotgun. Behind her she can see that there's some kind of bagged the person. A- no, the agent reacting to it, remember? Like the dude comes in to back her up. Oh yeah. And all of a sudden he's looking at it and you see this like Tom Hardy esque 
look of disgust. Yes. It's Daniel, go over his face. It's Daniel Kalua too, the guy from Get Out, who is just whose name amazing. is Reggie Wayne. How did they get away with that? <laughs> Big Colts fan, are you? <laughs> the little wave. Uh, yeah, that Kevin, go ahead with that scene. What? I uh, and more about? Uh, so and so you have this, you have this character who it's his first moment on the scene. He's looking through and he's looking through the hole in the drywall, and then like they do this cool camera pan where you like cycle over to his view. And like all of a sudden, you just like then the fucked up begins. Yes, they they take down the walls. You see the 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 cartels stashing dead bodies in the walls. It's 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 awful. And then you think the action's over. There's a lot of there's a lot of bodies in these walls. Yes, it's I will, not like one. I got to move to this. Well, wait, real quick. Oh. I just want to finish out this intro scene because oh, the scene right, yeah. keeps going. They then all of a sudden like CSI's in there. You think it's like the wrap up. They literally they have like three people outside puking, and then the dude opens up the storage shed and it blows up. Yes, and so like well, no, he you just the started shed. to calm down. And he goes, "We need bolt cutters," and then he gets the bolt cutters and it blows up. Cool. And like, and all of a sudden, that's just intense again. Like, it really amps it up to 11 a few times. So then Kate Macer, which is Emily Bunt's character's name, Kate. Kate gets recruited into some kind of uh, elite drug war spook operation that's run by Josh Brolin. And, Josh Brolin's really good and in this Josh movie, Brolin too. And Josh Brolin is, is good, but he's not as good as the guy who Josh Brolin has on oh. his team, which is played by Benicio Del Toro, and he doesn't really have a name until almost the end. They just call him Alejandro the whole time. Yep. One name. They don't really, like, explain him. He's super unexplained, and that he kind of just takes over the movie at the end of the movie in, yes, in an incredible does. way. Yeah. I will say this. This is a perfect example of why you see Benicio Del Toro doing beer commercials. He is a <laughs> lovable, lovable actor in the sense that he is. If you don't, if you don't realize this, he is one of the finest actors we have in the craft right now. The scene name his on, film de- name his film debut, Eric. Uh, is it The Living Daylights? Big Top Pee Wee Dog. Come on. Oh, is it really? Yep. That's my <laughs> least favorite Pee Wee movie. So it's it's a bad one. But, I, I, haven't, but, <laughs> I, haven't, I only watched it once as a but kid. But it's just awesome that that's his film debut. I'm, as I have, du- to, as I have to track that down now. Duke when, the dog when I get home. boy. I will say this: the scene on the bridge, the scene uh, at the border. When they oh. are they're taking their captive across the border, and they say that you know there will be there will be an active shooter going after us, going after this yeah, man we're gonna, we've hired. We're gonna get caught on the bridge of the Americas. This is where it's going this to happen. This is my favorite scene in the whole movie. I was captivated. I could not look away. That is a long scene too. Yes, and it's, there's a lot of just people driving, and it's tense in the sense like the. The old water torture, the waterboarding idea where it's just a drop of water on you. And the music? Yes, and it builds so slowly, so violent. Great All of a sudden, it's... Scene. And, you know, uh, Emily Blunt's character, Kate, almost uh, bites it there. But she's very smart and uh, gets her wits about her. Uh, I love that scene. That scene, I, I've gone back and watched that scene twice since well, seeing the movie. So Alejandro, you know, he ends up getting his revenge right at the end of the movie. It turns out that this was all like that's so well done. A big too. part of like him, his big part of it was his revenge plot. I don't know if you guys know this, but there, but um, Tra- Taylor Sheridan, who wrote this movie, also wrote and directed Wind River. Uh, Taylor Sheridan also wrote um, another good action hero, Hell or High Water. Um, Taylor Sheridan, he wrote an, a sequel. Uh, it's not really a sequel. It's like a prequel to this movie. That really focuses on how Benicio del Toro's character became what he was. I would watch the shit out of that. Um, yeah, that's so, coming. So that's coming. That's a real thing that's happening it's, right now. So it's now. not a sequel. It's already, it's already filming. 
I heard they the oh, last time exciting. I heard it was a it's Sicario part, sequel. It's part sequel, but it's going to tell the backstory. Oh, okay. Like the the point so is it's that like it's like a flashback. Of, sequel. It's kind of both. Like it's Alejandro begins. He's going to keep getting his revenge, uh, but but he's also going <laughs> to he's also going to be they're going to be building up his backstory. Like how did he become who he is today? Did they get Benicio del Toro for the? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, that it's, is, it already oh, started. It, it started filming like last November, so it's already. This is exciting. Done, very close to done. It's coming out uh, next summer. One thing before we get away from this movie and we, we sign off, I it's do have called to... Soldado. I have to <laughs> point this out. This is really awful. I'm doing, I did this so you didn't have to. Uh, war, the, the scenes in Mexico take place in Juarez, which about 10, 15 years ago, Juarez was like hell on earth. It was something that you think of only the, uh, the, the towns in like you know Afghanistan or Iraq are like this. The, all the scenes right. in Sicario, all the violence, all the disgustingness are literal recreations of things that actually happened in Juarez. How do I know this? Because I Googled pictures. Because I wanted to. And it's awful. Don't do that. It's uh, it's shocking what you see. But when you see that, yeah, this shit actually happened. There's there's one thing that I, I won't say. Uh, you're just really shocked. And you're like, wow, that's it's really terrible. Um, yeah, that that's, that that's it's ugly and it really happened. Yeah. Uh, I also thought uh, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was a an, a really cool a really well done filming technique and um, way of writing the movie the border the uh, border policia character um, where they keep showing him in his house uh, Silvio yes. Silvio right yeah it's yeah, yeah it's uh, all the scenes with Silvio and the way they build that character up. To then have the finish for him, the, they do. The who is this guy in this movie? Yeah, yeah, they build it up. They build up the importance, and really, what they do is they end up building up empathy. Yes, for a scene where they just crush you. Yes, and it's really well done. Good call, Kevin. Um, yep. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that for Sicario. That's uh, a great you guys, movie. Have you guys seen any of his other movies? You've got. Have you guys seen Arrival? No, I, I haven't seen. I've it. seen Arrival, and it's fantastic. It's that comes my out uh, Arrival arriving on Amazon Prime at, end at, of the month. End of this really? month. Yeah. Yep. Guess what? I'll be watching really close to the end of the month. Arrival is probably my favorite movie of 2016. Um, Prisoners is uh, our Incendies is good. Uh, he didn't, really did he do Prisoners? Incendies. He did. He directed Prisoners. Didn't write it. Um, I thought Prisoners was okay. I'm sorry. Prisoners is the space movie with uh, Jennifer and Chris Pratt. No, nope. Lawrence. Nope. nope. It's Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, That's a very different cast. That is uh, I don't completely different movie. <laughs> I think you, it's like a. It's like a. There's a. Are you thinking of Passengers? There's like an abduction yes, Kevin. and the father. Oh of my one god! Of the girls. It starts with a P. Anyway, don't worry about it. Prisoners is all right. So, there's a difference between Stockholm Syndrome and Prisoners. I didn't see either, so I'm I'm clear. All right. So uh, for uh, Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, I'm Nathan Santo, and we'll see you guys next week. Uh, go Hawks. Well, I ain't got nothing but a little song, a little tune to play to make the good times roll.